Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fanatics sit and talk about films they've seen separately but have a conversation about for the first time. Every week we talk about our overall impressions, we talk about moments we like, and then we talk about the title of the ending. So this week we're doing a Mike pick, which is Raising Arizona, the 1987 comedy by the Coen brothers, very, very early in their careers, right after Blood Simple. And uh, by now everyone knows the Coen brothers. We've already done True Grit at the beginning of this season, right? And so uh, Mike texted me and just said, let's do Raising Arizona, done. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I haven't seen it maybe in about five years or so. It was a lot of fun watching it again. So let's start with our overall impressions. I know Mike just saw it again, which prompted this episode. Mike, overall impressions, Raising Arizona, what do you think? My overall impression, I think, is guided by the first sequence, that first five-minute uh, sequence sure. where where High narrates um, uh, how, he, how he meets his wife and turns from a, a life of crime, uh, which for me is beautiful and funny and succinct you know I think the Coen brothers did a lot of really good work um in their career but that's a great um five minute sequence those, those guys really they're, they're like mammoth you know they really yeah. know how to get into a character and get into a scene it's worth the whole movie I mean and I think it's even longer than five minutes because I remember when I turned it on this time I'm like oh the beginning of this is so good like turn to the right the, I mean the whole thing is so good and um it's it's got such a great economy you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of the opening sequence in Up. Have yeah. you ever seen Up? Yeah. The picture movie? The whole thing is silent and you get the whole story of their meeting and their marriage and her death and him being lonely. So that when that first sequence of Up is over, you kind of like can get out from your seat and go, that was great. What, you want to get something to eat? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, don't even need a, you don't even need a movie after it. And I feel the same way. Like once the credits come on, they actually say Raising Arizona on the screen. You're kind of like, wow, there's a whole movie after this? So it, it, is, almost a, it is almost a short film. Um, you know, that, that, that first sequence. Um, but if you didn't watch the rest of the movie, here's what you would lose. You'd lose um, maybe my favorite car chase scene since Blues Brothers. Really? You'd okay. lose um, uh, some of the best comic dialogue and cr- crazy performances, crazy good performances uh, from, from John Goodman, especially. Yeah. Uh, but he, from Nicholas a lot Cage of is, other... Sorry, yeah. and he's so young. It's so funny to see how young Nicolas Cage is. But I didn't know how young he was, and then I looked it up. I think he's 22. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. That's yeah. crazy. And That's Holly crazy. Hunter, I think, was pushing 30. Yeah. And it, almost everybody else was pushing 30, and, and Nicolas Cage was, was the baby on the set. That's awesome. That's awesome. So my thing about the, about the opening was, you know, everyone loves the opening sequence because of his narrative. And what's funny about it is his voice, right? Is, is, is High's voice. So, you know, I just started writing down random things that I remembered knowing we were going to talk today. Like, uh, you know, she said her fiance had run off with a student cosmetologist who knew how to apply her feminine wiles. And when he says, um, when the last of the cons has been swept away by the Sandman. And the salad days, as they say. But you know what my favorite one was? You know what my favorite one of those is? I know what your favorite one is already. Uh, go ahead. Say but, but no, go. J- uh, just say um, it. You know, her, her insides were a barren, <laughs> rocky place where my seed could find no purchase. And, exactly, and right. It's so funny. Now, first of all, uh, you know, so that made me start thinking about his voice. It's definitely, you could definitely tell long before they made the movie in 2010 that they have already read True Grit a thousand times because it's got that just funny, like one one degree push into True Grit voice, into Matty Ross's voice. And like, how about in his letter? Like, I cannot tarry. Better I should go send you money and let you curse my name. So here's what I kept thinking. I kept trying to think like, what's funny about that? Like, because he, he's this guy in a Hawaiian shirt with the hair all over the place. Like, why does he speak like that? 
and I have a theory. Here's what occurred to me. I don't want to make too much of this, but it was just a lot of fun to think about. It's that in the scenes, in the scenes in the movie where he's having regular dialogue, he doesn't really talk like that. And I think it's high when he's presenting the story to you, trying to like, trying to like gussy up his narrative and trying to sound like a quote unquote writer because he does it in the letter he does it at the beginning and he does it at the end of the movie when they're supposed to be old i just think i don't even know if that's true but it just struck me as like if h.i was going to sit and like tell you his story he would put in those phrases like you know there is a spirit of camaraderie in prison like seen in combat i imagine <laughs> what do you make of his voice uh, so so two things i think part of the fun of it which and where the Portis atmosphere comes from, it comes from an undeserved sense of dignity. I get what you mean by, um, you know, writerly or mannered uh, yeah. presentation, but there is also something about some of his regular dialogue um, that really cracks me up, um, which my favorite, my favorite line in the entire movie is, um, I think I got the best one. Where, <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, not supposed to be dignified. That's him trying to make her happy, right? But it's yeah, it's not, but his but his face his face is wonderful, um, uh -huh. and her and her total breakdown is yes, I also love him amazing. So much, <laughs> <laughs> so so wild and unexpected, um, and I think that you know that's like just a Cohen Brothers energy, is yeah. uh, these these characters and lines and emotional responses that come from absolutely nowhere, right? Because there's no reason High would talk like that. Nobody else does. It's not supposed to be like a, a you know an Arizona affectation or something. It's just he's just funny that he talks that way. No, but John Goodman's um, John Goodman as a, a guy in his late twenties who has these knowing winks about domestic yeah. life uh, yeah. is also is also very funny. Yeah. And you, so the question would be where would a where would a character like that get that knowledge? Where would that knowledge come from? Uh, right. It's great. But yeah, it's, it, it sounds like High has read like every Civil War letter from a Ken Burns documentary, <laughs> you know, great. but and then, and then also speaks like that. Yeah, because he, he ends the letter, right? You're loving Herbert. He writes Herbert, that's great. It's exactly like a Ken Burns letter. That's awesome. All right, well, let's move into some of the jokes in segment two. Okay. So welcome back to segment two, where we talk about our favorite moment or our favorite line in the film. So Mike, why don't you start us off? I would love to talk about that car chase scene. I mean, the whole, there's no, you can't key in on a quote unquote important moment that, that captures um, the themes of the film, because I think that this is largely a film without themes. Um, but I mean yeah. that as, I mean that as a compliment. Yes, absolutely. Um, the the whole surface of this movie is smooth. It's like duck feathers. You know, yeah. there's just, there's no way to get anything in there. Um, so if, if it's all, um, goofy and wonderful and unnecessary, how, how do you take, um, these two guys and their limited budget and understand how they did a car chase scene that good in their yeah. second film? It doesn't make any sense. I, right. I understand like from a technical perspective, there's some continuity errors, um, in that car chase scene. Um, if you, if you look up, uh, this movie on the internet, that's one, right. that's one of the first thing that comes up. I don't care. Yeah, who cares? I think really? since Blue, since Blues Brothers, um, nobody has made something that is uh, that easily legible. It's you know you you're never wondering like how did that happen. <laughs> um, but the the best moment is when uh, the car chase scene goes into the supermarket, like the way that the the Blues Brothers one does. It goes into the mall, and you know that he's going for the diaper section yeah, <laughs> for yeah. for more diapers. 
Um, I laughed hardest. I laughed the hardest that when they go through the guy's house at random and all the dogs are following, they go up and down the <laughs> stairs like it's just some stranger's house, and they all take the exact same path. Uh, it's it's un, it's unbelievably good, but that moment um, just made me belly laugh because I it just high won't quit. Yeah, he just won't quit and doesn't know how to quit, and you, and it's the same you know story. exactly where he's going. Yeah, that's awesome. That's and you know what's funny you said about like how like it's their second film, but we've talked about this in our in our episode on Heat that if they gave us unlimited technical powers and money and said go film a bank robbery, we would never be able to do what they do in Heat, and it was the same thing. I mean, you and I have watched a billion movies, but if they said okay, go ahead, tell you, you can make a car chase wherever you want, we'll do whatever you want, you know. It would, it would, it would, you have to have that imagination and that visual imagination, you know, you have to be able, I just listened to an interview with Alfred Hitchcock and he said, um, when you make a movie, I thought this was really interesting. You have to see everything on a rectangle. You don't think about where the can you just have to see the rectangle constantly. And I think that car chase example is a great, like they see the rectangle of exactly where those, 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 those the dogs and the cops and high are all going to go. Well, absolutely. But it's, and it's not just technical though, because right. Cause after, um, He's, he's got the uh, diapers and then he drops yeah. them and then his wife picks them up and then they're driving and then they're they're in the car and he's going right, yep. le- left up here, honey, <laughs> left up here. I, you're not sure where they're going, but he's trying to scoop the diapers up out of yeah. the street uh, to wrap it up. And just um, there's something brilliantly formal about beginning and ending with the diapers, with the diapers and high, yeah. but, but that is also totally character driven. You know what I mean? It's exactly like that first a segment it's very neatly wrapped up but it's yep. all driven out of his out of his character that's great that's great so you know and it's funny i love how he's like make it right here it's like like it's like you're just driving home from someplace with your wife like whatever like you know just like a day in the life of high um so my moment was i was trying to think about what makes the movie funny right oh let me go back to something you just said about it's thank god it's themeless someone i watched it with said um so that big guy the guy the guy smalls who goes around with on the motorcycle is he supposed to like represents something and i said no he doesn't he represents nothing that's that's what's beautiful about it he just catches the fly and kills the rabbit but um you know so i was trying to think about what makes the movie so funny and here's something that occurred to me because you know i love his voice and i love this movie but it occurred to me that i think that my moment was when um they're in the gas station john goodman and his and his and his uh his cohort, his accomplice in the gas station, and they're just layering the pomade onto their hair and combing it. And they're, they're making faces in the mirror like they're really good looking guys. And they're covered in like sewer filth, but they're combing their hair like they're Elvis. And I, that made me laugh. And it occurred to me that I think in this movie, and there's no word for this, I think the touches and the moments are actually funnier than the jokes, than the actual jokes, right? So like, um, I think the pomade thing is funnier than in the beginning when the guy's like, uh, uh, sometimes I get the menstrual cramps real bad. I'm like, that, that's kind of like, wah, wah, wah. like, I think that like um, when, when Nathan Arizona tells the reporters, oh, and you could still get a deal on, on unpainted furniture, you know, that's kind of like, wow, that's not as funny as John Goodman smoking as he eats cereal. <laughs> I think that's funnier, right? Um, I think that when uh, he says during the, the therapy group, like, um, well, sometimes your career's got to come before family. Like that didn't really make me laugh, but the fact that Nicolas Cage has a, a, a the long legs of the stockings hanging off his head, that made me laugh. And all those little moments, I think, that aren't like giant belly laughs, I think add up to making the movie so enjoyable. Yeah, I think that uh, there's definitely something in the execution of this film and the energy that the people yeah. who made it put into it um, that is, it's not necessarily on paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did love it though. I, one joke I did love was when Nicholas Cage goes, "You ate sand." 
<laughs> we ate sand, right? And my, I, if I'm gonna cheat, my other moment was uh, that I love is when I loved Francis McDormand giving them, I loved when she goes, well, he has to get his dip tat. He didn't get his dip tat. What about his orthodontia? Because of course she can't say braces. She has to say orthodontia. And, and she's every annoying mom when you have a baby telling you what you're supposed to do with the baby. Like, make sure you open the college plan. Make sure you do this. So he's got to have his dip tat. That, that, that lady's great. a chameleon. I mean, how many Coen Brothers films is she in and yeah. totally unrecognizable? I forgot that she's um, she's the, uh, the mayor's secretary in uh, Miller's Crossing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot that. So yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I think the jokes, although I will say the last line of the movie, and we'll talk about that as a great last joke. So let's move on to segment three. Okay. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. In section three, we like to talk about the overall themes of the film, you know, the title, um, our, our big takeaways. Uh, so Dan, uh, you look very eager to start off for a movie uh, that, that we just said doesn't have any themes. Well, I don't think it has really as a theme. I think, I think the end of the movie epitomizes what the Coens do well, which is kind of like make mashups of genres because it's so funny in a movie this silly, and I say that as a compliment, I think at the end it, it's kind of touching. And when they have them all looking at the table and stuff like that, you kind of see what they wanted. It's kind of like, it kind of sucker punches you in a, in a little way, not a devastating way. Um, but then I love it that they undercut it all. Like when he says, you know, um, you know, if not Arizona, a land not too far away, where all parents are strong and wise and capable and all the children are happy and beloved. I don't know, maybe it was Utah. <laughs> so as soon as they get you to that Frank Capra moment, they kind of undercut it with maybe it was Utah. And the credits come on, like, I think that's brilliant. I think that's what they do really well throughout their careers. Yeah, I, I agree. I I also thought that um, the guy that they got to play Nathan Arizona, who's kind of yeah. like, a, what's that guy's name? Do you remember? I, I forgot, but he was good. He's very good. He's like Yosemite Sam if they brought him yeah. to life. Yeah. Um, you know, he he appears twice, but every single time he appears, um, uh, he gets more endearing. Yes. And then, if, and then of course, the it, right, exactly. And then he walks in and, in the last scene and tells them, uh, you know, not to bust up too quick. You know, they're right. like, really, relationships are difficult. Um, so I feel the same. The, the the same thing that you that you felt um again i i think it's i think it's themeless but i agree with you if i could put it into words that maybe the audience response is the theme of the film you know your level of your level of amusement what's happening with you inside yeah. as you're watching um and how slick it is right is is the way that it's supposed to be and it yeah. carries and so forward and somebody says, um, John Gardner says this, and I, I know you, I, I'm sure you, I'm, I know you're a fan of John Gardner. He says in the art of fiction somewhere that um, you, you can't, you can't condescend to your characters. Like you can't, you can't give a reader characters to, to just scorn and you scorn them too, right? So, uh, you know, they, the Coens clearly love High. They clearly love her, right? And so at the end, like, I think, I think they earn that touching moment without becoming too schmaltzy or maudlin or becoming like a Hallmark Christmas movie or something. But even they know, like, you better put a joke in at the end, like maybe it was Utah, and then just put the yodeling on. Well, yeah, but, you know, even John Goodman and his brother tunnel back into jail. Yeah, that's the, right. the outside, the, the outside, the outside world ain't the proper place for them. 
So here's my, I got another quick thing I want to do at the end, right? So I was thinking about, you know, how much we love the Coen brothers and stuff. And I have in my hands a secret list. You know, I love secret lists on this podcast. So you ready? I'm going to bring aim. So what I did was I went through all the Coen brothers movies. I printed all the titles and, and this is their report card. So I gave them each a letter grade. Okay. Now we're not going to, we're going to do, so I'm going to say a movie. You give it the letter grade. Okay. We could do Me? pluses. We, yeah, you do okay. it. And I'll tell you what I put. We'll, we'll just compare grades just for the heck of it. We'll go through it. Okay. And we're going to do true. We're not doing grade inflation now. This is true. Like you got to earn your grades. Okay. So a B is pretty good. A C is not so good. And A is like, you're, you're, you're talking masterpiece. You ready? Here we go. Blood simple. Never saw it. Okay. B plus. Raising Arizona. B. B. Okay. Miller's Crossing. A plus. A. I'll give an A. Okay. A. Good. Okay. Um, Barton Fink. B. C. Hudsucker Proxy. Never saw it. Oh, we got to get you. We got a lot of episodes here, my friend. All right. Fargo. Oh, A plus. A plus, right. Big Lebowski. A plus. A plus. Okay. Oh, brother, where art thou? C. D. Uh, the Man Who Wasn't There. Never saw that one. Okay. That's B. Okay. Intolerable Cruelty. B. George Clooney. I never saw that. Okay. B. Okay. The Lady Killers. Never saw that one. Never saw that one. Okay. No Country for Old Men. A plus. A, right? Uh, burn after reading. F. <laughs> D. Okay. <laughs> That's got a very good. Okay. A serious man. B. B plus. I like okay. True grit. A. A, right? Inside Llewellyn Davis. I never saw that one. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's the folk. That's the folk singer one. Oh. Uh, that's a B plus. Hail Caesar. I didn't see that one either. Neither did I. But I, 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 a lot of my friends said it was no good. Um, did you see the Netflix one, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? No, but I will. That's pretty good. That's it's uneven. The, the first the first segment's terrific, and the list uneven. And then I found out. Right, this will be get your t- final take on this. When I was printing out the list, they are now creating. They're um, they're going to do Macbeth. Really? Yeah, they're doing Macbeth. So that'll be interesting. What do you expect from the Cullen? Starring Nicholas Cage? I don't know who's in it, but, but they're doing Macbeth. So that's something definitely to look forward to. Yeah, those guys, um, they, have, they have a magic touch. I mean, for, to have made so many films, I mean, I guess they've made so many of my favorite films. Yeah. You know, Lebowski is one of my favorite films. Yeah. Um, that's so many... an unbelievable movie. Yeah, and so many movies that just pop into your head during the day, and so many lines that just resonate with you. So I think yeah, I quote Miller's Crossing probably once a week. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We'll have to do that one soon. All right, good talking to you. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any suggestions of stuff you'd like to cover, you know, you can hit Dan up on Twitter um, or send us a message through Apple Podcasts. The best way to do it is through Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review um, and please rate and please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear what you want us to cover. Thanks for listening. Take care.